Hey, welcome to this week's podcast. We're still in the series entitled The Power of All. And Pastor Dennis White did not disappoint with this week's message. If this message blesses you, we would love to hear from you. Visit our Facebook and Instagram page. And without further ado, here's Pastor Dennis White. What I really learned from God is that we're not here just to create a living. We are here to be a difference maker. If you're waking up every day just to go make a living, you're wasting your life. If you're on a job where you're not making a difference, are you really in the right job? If you're not married and in a relationship where a difference is not, you're not making a difference in her life and she's not making a difference in your life, then why are you in that relationship? Come on now. And those of us who are married, you should be waking every day and say, what can I do different to impress my wife or impress my husband? My wife got out of the shower right away. She came into the other bathroom to get ready to do her hair, and I walked in and said, baby, here's breakfast again this morning. The coffee was already turned on. It was ready to go. I told her to make it the night before, but I had to just press the button, and it was good. Teamwork makes the dream work, ain't it? But you're here to make a difference, amen? God has created each and every one of us to achieve something significant through us for the kingdom of God. There are no accidents in this house this morning. I don't care if you were started before or or whenever. You're not an accident, You were planned and ordained by God to be here at this time, in this hour, in this moment. He said, because I've created you to make a difference for me in the earth. I like what Dr. Miles Monroe, and I'm a huge fan of his. He said, each of us was born for a purpose, equipped with potential, and designed for a destiny. I'm going to say that again in case you weren't listening to me. Each of us were born for a purpose, equipped with action steps to make that box appear in your plate or on your tray. God does the same thing. In heaven, it's already done. And he just gives you the steps. Okay, here's the milk, here's the eggs, here's the yeast, here's the powder. Now put it in the oven. And that's the part we don't like is the oven. He said, I'm going to make you look like the box. Come on now. He's already got a picture. He says, I knew you before you were in your mother's what? Womb. He said, I already had a picture of what you're supposed to look like and what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to achieve, what you're supposed to accomplish, and it's very significant, and you're going to look just like the box if you'll just go do what you're supposed to do. See, vision is a, is a vision is a function of the, I mean, sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. God puts that on the inside of you so no one can take it from you. Sight is function of the eyes, but vision is function of the heart. Go to Proverbs chapter 29, 18. And I know you've heard this a thousand and one times, because I know this is a good Bible teaching church. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there are no boundaries and parameters. 
right there, orange. <laughs> Confessions. I'm living the good life because I take paths which have, which have been planned and prepared and arranged for me ahead of time by my Father in heaven. Now you know one of the reasons why I live the good life. That's part of my daily confession. I have at least a half hour of confessions that I try to get to in the morning times or whenever I can. Because you know what? I'm going to speak over my life. I speak over our pastors. I speak over this church. I confess over you guys as well. Because I want what God has for you. Amen? Let me go on here. See, you will never have a platform for your dreams and your visions until you have built a fortress around your focus. Because if you want to get someone off track, just break their focus. Anybody ever watch a basketball game or a football game? When they're shooting free throws or they're about to kick a field goal, what does everybody at the end of the arena or the end of the football field do? They're waving and they're screaming. What are they trying to do? They're trying to break focus. See, the Bears just need to get a kicker that doesn't break his focus and we can win. Amen. Enemy can keep you in a place where you focus on your problems, on the land of problems, then you'll never get into the promised land. If he can keep you in the land of, come on, problems, then you'll never reach the promised land. Because some of us are so focused on what we're in that we never focus on how to get out. Touch somebody and say, he's a way maker. Come on, you're going to remember this song all week. I believe this has been a prophetic song for you guys today. I, I, it, it stirred in me on Thursday night at prayer. Come on, somebody say, I got to get to prayer. And it's been stirring on me since Thursday because I believe there's miracles happening. I believe miracles are happening. I just, I heard the word miracles just explode in my spirit, man, Thursday night. And it's been exploding in me all weekend. Amen. Say miracles. So you need to have a compelling vision. It keeps you from turning back and it keeps you from giving up. See, a compelling vision, it pulls you, it doesn't push you. Come on now. Those of you who are married or you're dating, think about when you first got involved with that person. Did they have to tell you to call them? Or you couldn't wait to call them? Did they tell you you have to see me or you couldn't wait to see them? You see the difference between pull and push? If I got to keep pushing you to come to church, then you know what? I'm done. Because you really don't want it. If I have to keep pushing you to do something for God, then you really don't want to do it. If I have to keep pushing you and prompting you to give to God, then you really don't want to give to God. Because what tells me your vision is not God. Your vision is not the church. Amen. Don't get silent on me today. I'll keep stepping in your garden. It's the idea why in the church, why discipleship and growth track is so important. Because we train you to operate at another level. We train you to operate at the level of God has gifted you. We train you to operate at the level that, you've been, that your leadership style dictates. Come on now. Don't get quiet on me here today. See, in other words, you can't operate at a level that you have not been trained for. Are you hearing me? So what have you been trained to do? That's what you'll do best. Come on now. That's why I tell my players, a lot of them say, well, you know, I'm going to quit. Why are you going to quit? Who trained you to quit? 
Who trained you to be a quitter? I got to go. Coach, I'm not coming to the game Friday. Why not? Well, I ain't played in the last two games, so I'm going to quit. Really? You've been playing all season, but now you want to quit because you didn't see action in the last two games? What is it you're quitting on right now? Because you ain't seen God moving something, you're going to quit. Because something has not happened according to your timetable, you're going to quit. See, you're rising to the level of your training. Mm. See, when you become a leader in church, or you become a pastor, I should say, you realize that your vision is going to require people. Say people. Every vision is going to incorporate different people for different seasons. When you have a vision for something, the moment you begin to speak the vision and move toward the vision, God will introduce you to people who are necessary for the vision to come to pass. But so will the devil. Because the devil's trying to break your focus and get you off track. You know, I don't know if I've said this before to you, that when I, first, when I decided that, believe it or not, I, I, I was in a slump. I didn't have any dates for probably about a good two weeks. Okay, three. And then it came to a point where I met Bobby. And I said, Lord, I want to be committed to this woman. I think this is the woman. I think this is the woman that really deserves me. And so... <laughs> Why are you laughing? You don't believe that? And then when I got committed to her, all of a sudden, in my office, I got women bringing me food that want to go out with me. Women who I hadn't seen in weeks want a calling to go out with me. I've got another woman who's come and say, when are we going to go out? You know, you haven't called me. I'm going, wait a minute. I haven't called you. You're supposed to call me. No, I'm just joking on that one. I didn't do that. But see, I, had the, I knew what my vision was now, but the devil was come, trying to come to break my focus. He was trying to get me to move away from what God had, been, had prepared for me for a long time. And there's somebody, until you build a fortress around that vision, come on now, you're going to allow things in to distract you and remove you and get you off of what God has already prepared for you. Amen? Am I making sense to anybody this morning? We're still talking about the power of all now. Go to Habakkuk chapter 2. Oh, my Lord. You ever see time run? Oh, I go back to <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 2. Are you there yet? Verse 2. Amen. Got to keep some folks awake. That's so I'm going. <laughs> we still got coffee downstairs. Get a refill. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Now, you know people who write things down remember more than those who don't? It's a proven fact that those who write things down accomplish more than those who don't. And make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. In a vision, you need two types of people. You need runners and readers. You need runners and you need readers with your vision. Touch somebody and say, we need you. 
Pastor has cast a vision. He has cast a vision for where we're going. Now we need runners and readers. Amen? See, a runner is a footman who brings or moves things quickly to pass. The Hebrew translation says, a footman to bring or to move it quickly to pass. And the readers are those who proclaim it, proclaim it and call it forth. So we need those who are ready to take the football and run with it. Come on now. And we need those who are ready to intercede and pray and begin to declare this is what's going to happen. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to see this thing happen and take place. Amen. See, a vision does not happen because all of us believe in the vision. It happens because all are running, reading, and working together in conjunction with the vision. See, the running back, when he gets to football, does he make it to the other end based on his efforts alone? If no one's out there blocking and creating a way for him to make it, he's not going to make it. we got to have some folks who are ready to step out and begin to bulldoze over some things, take down some roadblocks, pray down some walls, come on now, remove some obstacles that are in the way of the vision so that the vision can be accomplished for Faith World Church. We're not building a legacy just for our pastors and their children. We're building a legacy for everybody in here, a legacy of faith. Come on now. Go to Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3. I found this and I said, wow, God. If this doesn't get people to believe in the vision and for all of us to get involved in this, then I don't know what's wrong with some folks. Because you either believe in the vision or you don't. And your level of participation dictates to us whether you believe it or not. Come on now. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. In the same boat, but I'm going to get out of this baby. I'm going to have debts canceled. They may be going to jail, but I'm having my debts canceled, baby. Come on now. They may repossess their car, but they're going to say, no, we're going to give you grace. We're going to give you another three months now. You go ahead and you just drive your car. Because I'm under the law of exception. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen. Go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1, and then we'll go to verse 4. Just those two. Amen. Give him a hand. He's doing a great job over there. Amen. See, we can't do this alone. I'm just telling you, we can't do it alone. Amen. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Say all. They were all together in one place. When the day of and they were all, say all, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus said, I need you to be in the upper room because I'm going to release something there for you. And it's only those who are involved, those who show up, those who participate, those are the ones that are going to receive what I'm about to release into your life. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he told about 250 to show up, but only 120 were present. 
And it's the 120 that received the Holy Spirit coming in as a mighty rushing wind and empowered them to become something and to do something that those outside were not able to participate in. I don't know about you, but as we move forward with this vision, as we move forward with the legacy of faith, I don't want to be left out from what God is about to release into Faith World Church. If you want to be left out, that's up to you. But I'm not about to be left out when God begins to release and he begins to pour out the blessing, the empowerment to prosper on those who said, I'm in, Pastor. Count me in. I'm going with you. I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to give. And I'm going to pour out what I have to make sure that the vision comes to pass. Can I get anybody to go with me this morning? See, I've learned this in coaching. Ready? Unity is not possible as long as the individual's preferences are priority over the team's purpose. I'm going to say it again. Unity is not possible as long as the individual's preferences are priority over the team's purposes. If you're coming out here just to make this all about you, then we're all going to suffer. Because I tell my team, we got five on the floor, but it only takes one guy out there to not do his job, and we're all jacked up. It takes one guy to just mess up what we're after. It takes one guy to break our focus. It takes one guy to mess everything up that we've worked so hard for. It takes one guy to turn a plan into a mess. And either you've come to make a mess or you've come to help build a master. Let it, let it stop being something that's just sight. Let it be something now that's in my heart. See, when it's in your heart, you'll stop having eye problems. Because too often we look at what can't be done instead of what can be done. We look at what the devil is telling us instead of listening to what God is telling us. Amen? See, if things are going to change, then you're going to have to make a choice. Because change only happens with choice. Amen? You know, in 1519, I'm going to finish with this. In 1519, there was a guy named Hernan Cortez. And Hernan was a conqueror. And he loved to conquer places and things. And he went and told his king, he said, there's a place, which is now Veracruz. And it's the Aztecs, the Mexicans. Dirty guy. And he said, they've got treasures over there that are beyond belief. Many have gone before over the last 400 years, but no one's been able to take the treasure from them. He said, I have a vision for us to go take that land. We're going to go take the island. We're going to go take the treasure. We're going to take all the things that are there, and it's going to become ours. He had a vision. And when he laid out the vision, the king, the king said, go get it. And he took 600 fighters with him, 100 sailors 11 boats and 16 horses. And he left and he sailed for the island. When he got to the island, they did some surveillance and they got around and they began to look and they they were outnumbered three to one. How are we going to take this? We've only got 600 fighters, 100 sailors. What are they going to, the sailors, they're designed for the ship. I've got 600 that are really going to fight. How are we going to take all this wealth? How are we going to come back with them saying, you know, we got it all here. We took the island. How are we going to do that? As a couple nights passed and they were on the shore and they hadn't been discovered yet, 
he saw fear begin to rise up on the inside of his men. He saw some people ready to quit. He saw some people ready to walk away. He saw some people ready to give up. You know what the Romans do before they go into battle? I read this. When the Romans, before they go into battle, they find the 10% that have fear and they kill them. Why do you think the Romans were overtaking three quarters, come on, of the world? They found the 10% that were ready to give in and say, no, we can't do it. The law of 10%, I ain't got time to go into that. They found that 10% and said, we're gonna, they killed them because they wanted to remove fear and they wanted to remove doubt from the camp. Now, Hernan Cortez didn't do that. He shouted out when they were all on the beach. He yelled out something that, that goes down in infamy. He said, burn the boats. Burn the boats. If we're going back home with all the treasure, if we're going to go back home and survive, then we're going back in their boats. When he burned the boats, it was now either do or die. Either we're going to succeed in this, or we're going to die here on this island. It's up to you, gentlemen. I know we're out, man. I know that it doesn't look like there's a way. I know it, doesn't, it looks hopeless. I know it doesn't look like we can turn this around. But I'm burning them boats, and either we're going to make this or we're not. Hernan Cortez burned they went into battle and they took the island and they took the treasure. Something no other conqueror had done in 400 years. I'm asking you this morning, what boats do you need to burn if we're going to take that building on Fullerton? What boats do you need to burn? What excuses do you got to get rid of? What reasons do you got to get rid of? What ships do you have that keep taking you back say, I can't join, I can't give, I can't become a part of that, I'm not getting involved, I'm not going to growth track, I'm not going to do this, you're not going to get me to serve outside and put up flags and banners, no, I'm not showing up early to set up glasses and come on now, don't get quiet on me this morning. What boats do you have to burn this morning before you say, Pastor, we're taking that island, we're taking that community taking that building. We're taking this city. We're taking everything. We're taking every soul that comes in here. We're taking every orphan, every kid, every marriage, and we're going to turn it around because God is with us. Who can be for, against us? Some of you need to get together with your wife or your husband or whoever, and you say, what boats are we going to burn of fear? Because every time you fear, you get right back into your boat and say, bye. <laughs> oh, pastor came up. He wanted to know if I wanted to become a part of this. Hurry up, pedal faster, roll faster, roll faster, roll faster. If you would just burn the boat. See, I read that when you remove the retreat inside you, your creative, uh, creative abilities to succeed emerge. But until you remove the fear and the doubt, you remove the option to retreat, your creative juices and flows that flow in your heart and your mind, they don't work together and you don't create a way to make it happen. 
See, a lot of people, we blame what's not going on on resources. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough staff. I don't have enough this. I don't, no, you know what the number one problem is? It's a lack of resourcefulness. It's not resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. Some of us are where we are because we just haven't sat down and said, Lord, help me make this happen. I'm not turning back. I'm, I, I'm not getting back in that boat. I'm not quitting. I'm not turning around. I've come too far. Lord, Holy Spirit, begin to stir in me what I need to do to make this thing happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've got to make a stand today, folks. When pastor comes back, I want you to walk and say, Pastor, I'm burning the, I've burned the boat. Not I'm burning, say, I burned the boat, Pastor. And if he says, what boat is that? Say, don't worry about it, Pastor, I'll burn the boat. <laughs> say, Pastor, we're taking the island. And the inhabitants over there by Fullerton Avenue, that's the treasure. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. If you don't have a heart for people, then that's the wrong treasure, baby. Tell him we're taking the island, Pastor, and we're taking all the inhabitants and we're taking all the treasure. I've burned the boats. I just double dog dare some of you to go home and write down on a piece of paper and write separate pieces of paper. This is the boat of fear. Come on now. This is the boat of finances. This is the boat of getting involved in church. This is the boat about growth track. This is the boat, come on, whatever boat it is, whatever you've been jumping into to not get involved. And then what you know, get an ashtray or go outside of being symbolic as you burning your boat. And then don't go back. You know, I see some of the people in the dumbest relationships. You got out of a crazy relationship all going on to hell, and then because you haven't found anybody in month, baby, can I come back? You just plain stupid. When you get delivered, why do you go back? Thank you. I appreciate the hand clap here and the hand clap there and the hand clap there. Amen. Hallelujah. I got two things left here. I know I lied, right? No, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell you the full story. <laughs> Amen. You know, at this particular time, there's two times the devil shows up. I really believe in church. One, when it's time for giving, and two, when it's an altar call for salvation. Because he doesn't want to give you your money to further the kingdom, and he doesn't want you to get saved so that you can become, that you can. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, I, I, I've been living a life of crazy. I've been living a life that just hasn't been right. Or maybe you are saved, but you, you've, been, you, you've been backstroking. <laughs> Every time you get close to God or God gets close to you, it's like, you'd be backstroking away from him. It's time to come back. Come on. We're taking the island, baby. And we want you to go with us. We want you to be a part of us in what we're doing. Because we know it's of God. And if that's you this morning, you, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know what? And if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Well, if you don't know Jesus, you know the answer to that.
Because alcohol don't send you to hell. Weed don't send you to hell. Come on now. It doesn't protect you from cancer. Are you hearing me? It doesn't protect you from liver cancer. But what sends you to hell is not accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord in your life, Lord of your life. Not accepting him as Savior. That's what sends you to hell. I had the opportunity two months ago when I speak to my freshman class in health, and I take a day and I say, we're not talking about health today, we're gonna to talk about Jesus. And I had every kid in that class, out of 17 except for one, accept Jesus and pray the prayer of salvation. I don't care what the public school system says, because when I get to heaven, I'll be accountable for them. And every year there, every year there, I take my freshman class and I win them to Jesus. Because I know that's one of the things I'm called to do. And when I get to heaven, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I put you in an environment that not everybody wants to teach and to be a part of, but you went in and won souls. Isn't that right, Big O? One of my former players is out there right now. And he's a Jesus man, ain't he, coach? He comes here, never been a part of much of this stuff, but he comes here and he works with the feet of Jesus. He's 19. Amen. He's a difference maker. He's not just living a life of going to school. He's a difference maker. If a 19-year-old could come in and say, I want to make a difference, what's wrong with us who are 20, 21, 25, 30, 35, 40? Come on now. I'm proud of that young man. He's like my son, and he knows that. He's like my son. He wants money, too. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I can't see anything past the first row. I want you to look around. Is anybody raising their hand? Except Jesus. I look like an Indian scout, right? Yeah, I'm part Native American, too. I can do it all, bro. Because we, as we hopefully would, no, it's an appointed time. It will not deceive or disappoint. Look at somebody and say, you're not about to be disappointed at what's going to happen. When it's the appointed time, you're not going to be disappointed. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it. Yeah, we're waiting for it right now, but you know why we're waiting? Because we're waiting to bring in the finances that are necessary to put it all together. Though we tarry, wait. And how many know when you wait, you just don't go, wait is action. When you go to the restaurant today, does the waiter just look at you or does he come and wait on you? He said, though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, which means move earnestly for it. Take action earnestly for it. Because it will surely, oh, tell somebody it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Jennifer, it's going to happen. It will not be behind hand on its appointed day. God says, I've scheduled to happen at an appointed time, and I'm going to make sure that it happens. But it takes us, all of us, believing in the vision 
and waiting earnestly, moving quickly and with all we have to make this thing happen, folks. There's got to come a time to burn the boats. Oh, here comes Pastor again with his legacy of faith. He's going to want us to give it. Burn the boats. Stop that talk right now. Stop that talk right now. Death and life are in the power of what? Don't kill this dream. Don't kill this vision. I want to share something. Well, what are you doing, Pastor? What are you doing to make this happen? Me and my wife are giving $150 a week for three months. Outside of my tithes and my offerings. That comes up to $1,800. And I'm going to add a new t- another $200 to make it come out to $2,000. Give me one of those booklets there, Brother Adrian. You see this booklet right here? It didn't happen. Poof, there it is. This is four-color special card stock. 50 hours of work to put this together. Some of you who don't know graphics and the technology, you have no idea the work that it takes to put this together. Those of you who do, you know. 50 hours of work to put this together just so it can go to the printers to make happen. My wife did this from the ground up. Now, I didn't say that for you to applaud her. But I'm um, thank you that you did. Thank you. We didn't ask Pastor for a dime for the 50 hours that she put into this. But when you budget out the work that would have taken if we sent this out between twenty-five and three thousand dollars. Did you hear me? Brother Jose, that's on the cheap end. For 50 hours of sitting there, meticulously putting in every picture, every word, every arrow, every dot, spacing, putting everything in correctly. 50 hours. The 25 and $3,000, and he said that's even the cheap end. We didn't ask pastor for a dime. We'll do it for the church. We'll do it for the legacy of faith. So if you combine the 2000 that we're in for, and let's just say 2100 that's $4,500 that tells you we're in. We're in. Now, if we're in, and you see that we're in, and that money goes direct, 150 goes directly to them, we don't argue about it. Just take it, Pastor. Just take it. I'm not going to ask you to get involved in something that we're not already involved in. I'm not going to ask you to give something that we're not already giving. That would be ludicrous to ask for that. I'm going to ask you today, 
If you have not taken, come and picked up one of these legacies of faith. Excuse me there, brother. And on it, you see, inside is a card that has your giving. One person can maybe do 10,000. Three people can do 5,000. Six people, 2,000. 12, 12 people, 2,000. 21 people, 1,000. 130 people, $500. What can you do? I'm going to say the phrase, no giving is too small. Did you get that? No giving is too small. I'm going to ask you to step up. And when's the final day of this? Easter? Easter Sunday is the final day. You got now to save, to find a way. And there are multiple ways that the booklet talks about of how you can participate in the legacy of faith. I don't know about you, but I want to move into the new building. I don't think it's right that we should be paying two rents. Do you? We need to pay one and pour it into everything we got into that new place. Because I'm telling you, it's the appointed time. 18 years has showed up. Amen? Now, if you need one of these, I want you to stand up, and I want you to come to the front, and we're going to give you one. Come on. Come on. If, if you have not gotten one, come to the front and please get one. 